Caitlyn Jenner, whom I've met, wonderful person, Caitlyn Jenner was voted Woman of the Year. Her first year as a woman. Ain't that something? Yes, I'm free. You're not vaccinated, Gerald. All I can say is I, I'm not a racist. I don't, uh, I can't, uh, Tell you how sick I am. I apologize again. So cities across the country are seeing a major spike in violent crime now. A scary scene earlier this week in New York City. So to shoot out in the middle of the street during broad daylight, thankfully, no one blessedly was hurt. Welcome once again to the New Flesh podcast, the podcast you deserve. I'm joined by my friend Jonathan Astro, who uh, has just got out of lockdown. How was Freedom Day? It, well, it was low key, you know. You didn't, you didn't like run out on the streets and like hug every person you could see. No, and- I wanted there to be some sort of, was it in Norway when they dropped all their restrictions recently? They did. Yeah. And and they had huge, like, um, they had heaps of violence for some and reason. I dance think parties and they did, else. they had, they had everything. Like they had heaps of violence, but then they had heaps of parties. I think the, with the violence, uh, it was a case of FOMO. So it's the fear of missing out. Like there was a lot of lines for restaurants, a lot of lines for clubs and stuff like that. So I think it was extreme FOMO and people just got frustrated and started uh, getting their punch on. Well, look, uh, it's, it's been good. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't have the the spectacular, uh, what do we say, celebration that I, I would have wanted. Um, but then again, it's just good to get get out there, see normal people, you know, get back into normal life. And um, so it wasn't like the end of World War Two, where where guys were just snogging birds left, right, and center. No, um, you know, uh, it's a shame. That's like one of the greatest images of all time. And now he'd be arrested. Yes. Yeah. You know? um, mm. Anyway, he's a pig man. So <laughs> <laughs> so that's Freedom Day. Uh, uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to be out. Now, wherever you guys are, I hope you get out soon. Or if not then you know well melbourne's still trucking along we're um smashing that record as the most locked down city in the world it's great we, we are forging ahead with that uh we're not content to just be the most locked down city we want to like take it even further so no one can ever catch up to us i think um, well i just just a quick mention of these two guys maybe since we're talking about mm. covid so uh, a couple of guys um jumped the border from new south uh, sorry northern territory in australia to western australia now western australia is not in lockdown and this was for, to attend the football afl the grand final uh they did all sorts of shit they they did forge documents i think mm. and and lie well they they originally heavily. came from victoria so in victoria uh, northern territory northern territory western australia so uh, and and they didn't declare that they'd come from Victoria, which which was the problem. So yes. you, you're not allowed to come in if you if you've came come from Victoria. So, so restaurant owner Hayden Burbank, 49, and financial planner Mark Babbage, 39, sentenced uh, in Perth Magistrates Court on Wednesday uh, for sneaking in. Now these two guys uh, are in the big house. They are in jail. Mm. They got 10 months, right? They got 10 months. And yeah. so think about that, people. You know, uh, they in the waning days of uh, of this COVID pandemic, we have two people, two idiots, mind you, and they seem fairly unlikable from the pictures I've seen. Um, nevertheless, they're in jail, uh, and um, they're going to be there till uh, after Christmas. Now, I the only thing that got me about this was that um, why couldn't they just give them a massive fine? instead of sending them to jail why give them a massive fine something that 
Um, these guys' lives are destroyed. They are destroyed. They're not going, um, you know, one guy's talked about, you know, not being able to, having trouble with the liquor license if you've got criminal record. Oh, they're both going to have criminal records. They're both going to have been in jail. Oh, you're never going to go to the US ever again. So that's, you know, that's out. And God knows oh, there's probably other countries that have the same rules. Um, I know someone who's who can't go to the US and it pains them to this day. They just did something stupid when they were younger and um, and that's it for them. But, yeah, these guys are, are in jail right now. Yeah, I, I think it's insane. Like what they did was stupid and, you know, they, they deserve some sort of punishment. But oh, fucking hell, like some people, some people get less time for beating up their wives, you know. Yes, uh, Some people like... I don't know. I'm sure there's there's an attempted rape that that's got less time than this. You know? Yes, it does seem well out of proportion. Uh, totally shocking and um, totally indicative of WA, of Western Australia, and mm. Australia in general right now. Yeah. It's probably yeah, and really bad press. And I think it should be amplified. You know, I really think this is a story that, you know, and look, if everyone says. Unfortunately, they are they seem like dickheads, so that doesn't that ruins the story a bit. Um, but you know, you should just ask yourself, is this the sort of country that you want to live in? Is this the sort of country you want? You know, mm. and and you need to to get it straight. And if it is, well, great. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it was a bit heavy handed, I thought. Yeah, for sure. And and these guys, they did make some key mistakes, like like going to see the players after the game uh, in the locker rooms and getting photos and putting them up on social media. Again, you know, we've, we've talked about this previous episodes with Sheila, I believe, about uh, mobsters getting done in by their, their Instagrammer sons. But, yeah, I mean, w- wouldn't you just sort of watch the game and then slip away? afterwards i don't know it seems a bit silly to me but yeah clowns yep clowns all right what's up first well before we go any further we are going to talk about dave Chappelle in just a minute i just wanted to do a shout out to texas um and more specifically the republican texas governor greg abbott uh, he's barred all covid 19 vaccine mandates in his state uh, and he's also called biden's policies bullying now, as you know, I've said in many podcast episodes, I'm for vaccines and I'm vaccinate, vaccinated myself, but I strongly, uh, I'm, I'm strongly against mandatory vaccines. So that seems like a bit of a win for the state of Texas. I know we have a few Texas listeners out there, so um, big ups to uh, to the Texas governor there. Yes, great stuff. Well, Dave Chappelle, the closer. This is his uh, sixth Netflix special, I believe, that came out ooh, just a few days ago. Um, I'm a big fan. As soon as I heard it was coming, uh, I watched it. I yeah, was you on sort board. of knock it off straight away, don't you, when it comes you out? You do, right? yeah. I, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. So I watched it as soon as I knew it was on Netflix. And um, what did you think, John? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I really liked it, you know. Um, and uh, I was speaking to Yuri, uh, uh, you know, uh, and he he went hard. He said um, he contended that Dave Chappelle hasn't been funny in years. Really? Which I thought was was big. Now, I sort of tried to talk him off the ledge a bit and say, look, you know, um, I'm sh- I, look, he's certainly not at his prime. Like the Chappelle show is his prime. That was the greatest show ever. So funny. He was just, he had it, you know. And then I feel his role since he's come back is different. He's not like a straight comedian. Then again, that could be a, just a, a, a an ebb and a flow and a change in the form because, you know, he also mentioned 
uh, Yuri talked about Nanette and the way that changed comedy. You know what I mean? How it mm. wasn't really comedy. It was something else. So it's like Chappelle's had to do this sort of, it's like spoken word almost, mm. you know, it's not straight comedy. It's almost like a philosophical lecture. Yeah. Something like what, the, what Henry, Henry Rollins does, I think was the example Yuri gave. But um, right. uh, yeah, so, so it is a spoken word piece really. I th- it had some great laugh out loud moments, but I, don't f- I think the main thing for me is the uh, function it serves as the the biggest comedian in the planet, forcing everyone to have uh, difficult discussions and forcing Netflix to to come out and take a position on something mm, that yeah. You know, so I think that for me is the most important thing. What do you What do you think? I I thought it was funny. Um... You can take that up with Yuri. <laughs> I I didn't think it was quite as good as uh, Sticks and Stones, which was the previous Netflix special. But, you know, I thought there was some great... I, I think if you are frustrated with, yeah, not being able to say anything about how, um, how just politically correct everyone is or walking on eggshells and then here's this guy that kind of is making jokes about things that would get the average person totally cancelled. I think there's a bit of excitement in there. So if you're someone who's really frustrated, I think you get a little bit more out of it than someone who's who's not really engaged in the culture wars and and is just want just wants more straight straight comedy, you know. Um yeah, I mean for those who haven't seen this particular uh special he talks mostly about coronavirus. Uh he touches on racism and also the trans issue is is pretty big. Um but I think he's a guy that's, that's just calmly and, and with, a, with a humorous sort of stance saying what, what he believes to be true, you know. Um, and I think it's really important because he is a guy who can't be cancelled, you know. Uh, he's just too big. And people are trying to cancel him, you know. He came out. I mean, his big thing was in this special, he talked about turfs and he declared himself Team Turf, which is a is a term that means a trans exclusionary radical feminist and that's what's got him in the hottest water i think um but uh what's what's great to hear is that the ceo of netflix he's come out and uh he's quoted as saying Chappelle is one of the most popular stand-up comedians today and we have a long-standing deal with him his last special sticks and stones also controversial is our most watched stickiest and most award-winning stand-up special to date as with our other talent we work hard to support their creative freedom uh, even though this means that there will uh, always be content on Netflix some people believe is harmful several of you have also asked where we draw the line on hate we don't allow titles on Netflix that are designed to incite hate or violence and we don't believe the closer crosses that line He goes on to say, uh, particularly in stand-up comedy, artistic freedom is obviously a very different standard of speech than when we uh, than we allow um, internally, as the goals are different: entertaining people versus maintaining a respectful, productive work workplace. Um, And meanwhile, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy star Jonathan Van Ness, whose show also streams on Netflix, uh, weighed in on the memo and said. uh, Newsflash, straight men don't get to decide what crosses the line on transphobic speech, he wrote in a Twitter post. Um, he says, that's a really gross look, Netflix. Okay. So I'm, I'm actually surprised that the CEO came out so, so direct. Mm. You'd expect an, a, a, a lot of tap dancing normally and uh, yeah. or, or caving, you know. But mm. this is, uh, you, you know, this is leadership. Yeah, you have to you have to clearly state what you're about and what you're not. And you know, I think that the 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 the, the, the 
maybe the one of the pitfalls is we've forgotten that you know it, when you say something, there's going to be some people who don't like what you said. Mm. Do, and I think that people want this hundred percent on the tomato on the tomato meter in their mm. life. Yeah, and you go, we're not going to get it. And in fact, some of the rightest people in the world have had <laughs> a lot of detractors. Do you know what I mean? And even it doesn't even have to be political stuff. It could just be like about like you know, there's some people, there's a lot of people who don't like David Cronenberg. There's a lot of people who you know who don't like Citizen Kane. There's, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this this that that uh, the queer eye guy is you know you know I feel like saying yeah well um isn't it great that you live in an, in a country where you can express yourself freely and that you're more than happy like you know Dave said what he said. You said what you said, and I guess everyone gets to decide what they watch and what they don't. So let's leave it at that. Whereas what this person in that and a lot of the criticism is intimating or saying directly is we want it gone, cancelled, erased. He want, We want him fired. We want him to lose income. We want his family to lose income. We want him to stop. We want it to go away. And we want everybody to not be able to see it. That's what they want. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So we just need to change it back to yeah, great. I hear you, and we're not we're not getting rid of it. So don't watch it. Remember, don't remember, don't watch it. Well, that's the other thing. I know, I know. I've I've, I've heard a lot of people criticise the last special, the Sticks and Stones, who hadn't even seen it. You know, I've I've talked to people who who you know would would basically just espouse what what a, what the Guardian might say about it oh or, or pick pick you know one sentence from his hour-long show and say oh you know that's a bit much and blah 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 whereas for Dave Chappelle the way he structures his shows they're so uh he you know he says stuff that that he says early in the show makes its way back to the end of the show yeah, like intricate he, it's very intricate in in the way it's structured uh and so you really need to watch the whole thing before you weigh in on the issue, you know, and I think it's interesting when you look at, um, I mentioned to, this to you a couple of days ago, like the Rotten Tomato reviewers, uh, they gave uh, the close a 43% favourable rating, whereas the audience score gave it 97%. <laughs> uh, it's always interesting when you see this, you know, and uh, I did see a commentator also contrast these numbers with uh, the Fauci documentary that came out this year, which um, reviewers, official reviewers, gave that 91% favourable review with only 2% favourable review from audiences. So, you know, I mean, it's a sort of, I know Rotten Tomatoes is Rotten Tomatoes, whatever, like it's not not really a great indicator of, uh, you know, overall what people think, but it is interesting to see such a big disparity and I think that people in the media really, they, they're not in touch with what the common person thinks or feels about particular topics, you know. I, I mean, agree they, with that. The, yeah, the, I, the Guardian review, which I've, I've got here, I can pick out little bits, oh I mean, God. pieces of it. It gave it a two-star review, you know. Oh, um, let me read some of it here. Um He's saying uh, basically uh, he, Dave Chappelle, is tripling down on that hot potato content after a palate cleanser about his brush with coronavirus. The show mainlines our host's relationship with women, transgender people, and the LGBTQ community. He cracks abusive jokes about all of them, but this isn't punching down, insists Chappelle, who sees all these groups as more privileged than and often racist against black people. Um, 
There is a tangle of shit stirring, accusation, and special pleading, any space left for light hardness. Uh, plenty if you're Chappelle's Detroit audience, who not only chuckle, uh, chuckle at but cheer. Uh, his charmless tale of beating up a lesbian in a nightclub, but I found the show heavy going. Um, it talks about his transphobia. Yeah, the trouble is the phobic jokes keep coming. Uh, Chappelle's efforts to ironize them, to dance around rather than wallow in the boorishness are, are divisory. They're often plain and weak, predictable. Uh, the predictable suck my dick punchline to his joke about feminism needing male leadership, blah, blah, blah. That was funny. Yeah, he toggles between two modes, aggressive gags about Chappelle's antagonists and feeble protests that he never said anything prejudiced in the first place, blah, blah, blah. Oh, fucking hell, stop, okay? Are these, these <laughs> I can't take it. These, the Guardian, <laughs> these Guardian um, like deconstructions, it's yeah. the exact opposite of generative work. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like if you've ever sat down with a blank page and tried to create something that, you know, and all the best work out there, you know, is just on the edge of uh, either being brilliant or hilarious uh, and mm. not in a good way. Yeah. Um, and you you really are, you know, putting your dick out there and it is, it's hard, difficult, awful work, creative work. Do, would you agree? You know, rewarding, but difficult. And oh, yes. Yeah. It's... um. Yeah, as someone who's who's tried to write a lot of music and has written a lot of music, it's it's awful. The process is awful, especially the the, the start of the process. And you know, there's big big rewards and 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 feeling of self accomplishment when when you finish something. But all along the way, it's like pulling teeth, you know. So it's that's generation, you know. And these these nasty uh, Mean Girls uh, Guardian reviews are always so gleeful, you know, in the way they tear down um, works of art, you know, uh, works of art, you know. Maybe they should remember that, you know, even if they think it's terrible, they should remember that, uh, as, as I've said in a few podcasts recently, remember Oscar Wilde, you know, or even bad poetry is sincere. Yeah. You know what I mean? So maybe you should be charitable to Dave Chappelle and what he's trying to do and, and see it as, you know, he would have gone through this process. It wasn't easy. Um, you know, every every time he steps out on stage, it's like could be the last time. Look, at, just ask my, you know, Michael Richards. Like if you come out and say what he said, definitely said the wrong thing when he mm. came out. Uh, and look, never to be seen again. So, yeah. you know, that's what can that's what can happen to comedians when you're out there. Really, really dangerous stuff because, you you know, you've, you've just got your mouth and, the adrenaline and yeah so they're just so gleefully um you know tear things down deconstruct is all they do and complain and moan and you know they don't have to be rah-rah about it but it just is like uh, it just tells me more about the guardian and their readers than it does the show because yeah. i go oh yeah. wow like you know that's why it's such a dour you know d disappointing uh you know temperance league publication you know, they just talk about who, you know, it's, I guess it, it, it's just like a bunch of people talking about what you're not allowed to do, you know, who we've all offended. It's sort of built on this, this, this huge pillar. Well, it's, it's built on a bed of, 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 of white guilt, uh, elite privilege. And, you know, I don't know, and a real lack of, of a sense of fun and enjoyment out of life. Do you know what I mean? Would you think, think so? Oh, yeah. Totally. That's um, the left is the most unfunny 
you know, they just cannot take a joke at all. You know, they can't, they can't laugh at themselves at all. They just, because some of this shit is funny. Like, like Chappelle said in his last show, like, you know, some people feel that they are a woman trapped in a man's body. Like, that is an absurd situation. And I'm sorry that, that, that is, that is fruitful, uh, a fruitful topic for a little bit of humor, you mm. know, and I'm sure there are a lot of people, you know, the quieter side of the trans trans community that, that probably can take a little joke about themselves, you know. I mean, it shows that, that they've arrived, that they've been accepted, that you can you can have a have a bit of a laugh, you know. That's right. I agree. Anyway, we highly recommend The Closer. So if you haven't watched it yet, check it out and check out some of his other Netflix specials. They are worth the watch. Gender is a fact. This is a fact. Every human being in this room, every human being on Earth, had to pass through the legs of a woman to be on Earth. That is a fact. Now, I am not saying that to say that trans women aren't women. I am just saying that those pussies that they got you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not saying it's not pussy, but that's like beyond pussy or impossible pussy. You know what I mean? It tastes like pussy, but that's not quite what it is, is it? It's not blood, that's beet juice. Now, John, you wanted to talk about, are we talking about the New York Times? <laughs> Look, I t I've had a break, okay? I had to have a break. Now I'm back. I'm back with a bang. I got a couple of juicy uh, topics from the New York Times uh, to bring to you from behind their paywall. And the first up, w this really caught my eye. Okay, here's the headline. A year after defund, police departments get their money back. The abrupt reversals have come in response to rising levels of crime, the exodus of officers and political pressures. So here's some, here's some highlights for you. Stay with me. Dallas, the demonstrators came at night, chanting and blowing whistles outside the home of Mayor Eric Johnson, protesting in occasionally personal terms his staunch refusal to cut funding to the Dallas Police Department. Quote, defund, reclaim, reinvest, close quote. About two dozen people called out from the darkened Dallas street, a few weeks later, the police chief resigned over her handling of large-scale protests. Then, the city voted to cut how much money the department could use on overtime and hiring new officers. That was last year. This year has been very different. In cities across America, police departments are getting their money back. From New York to Los Angeles, departments that saw their funding targeted amid nationwide protests over the killing of George Floyd last year have watched as local leaders voted for increases in police spending with an additional uh, $200 million allocated to New York Police Department and a 3% boost given to local Los Angeles police force. Uh, the abrupt reversals came have come in response to rising levels of crime in major cities last year, the exodus of officers uh, from departments large and small. Uh, after slashing police spending last year, Austin restored the department's budget and raised it to new heights. Uh, uh, so it, we've talked to... Here it's we're saying that um, not only has it come back, it's come back in a big way in response to this this rise in crime. Now, just as a, a just as a bit of context to remind you all that last year, 2020, the year that people's brains broke, 
uh, I was I stumbled across some NME uh, articles that just gave me some of all places weird place, but for some context, uh, this is from NME. So uh, that this topic has come under great speculation over the last eighteen months, especially following the racially motivated murder of George Floyd by policemen in May 2020 and the international protests that followed. Many celebrities came forward to voice their support of police abolition with The Weeknd, Lizzo and John Legend signing an open letter calling for police budgets to be cut following Floyd's death. The open letter was launched by Patrice Cullors, one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter. Now, our listeners might remember Patrice Cullors is a very, very rich woman. Uh, we'll mm. get back to her later. A founding member of um, Movement for Black Lives and calls for local officials to cut police spending and budgets instead of increasing spending on healthcare. Uh, and instead increased spending on healthcare, education, and community programs. The time has come to defund the police, the letter states. It continues policing and militarization, overwhelmingly dominate the bulk of national and local budgets. We call for defunding of police and for those dollars to be rerouted to create a public national healthcare system. Ricky, what do you think of Dallas, you know, and New York, LA, everywhere else getting their money back with all of this in, in, in mind of what happened? It, it's so obvious. It's so obvious that if you were to take away funding from the police, that crime would go up. I mean, who are these dummies? You're a bigot. You know, who, who are these fucking dummies? <laughs> John, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned John Legend. John Legend gets in on, weighs in on defunding the police. I mean, what the fuck does he know about, you know, police and crime? And I mean, these people are living on another fucking planet. You know, their, their brains have been broken. You know, um, and the, you know the ironic thing is, is you know these these rich, elite left wing celebrities and activists, they sit up on high from their you know comfortable surroundings in I don't know Bel Air or wherever the fuck they live, and they're saying to defund the police. But you know the actual working class black families in the inner cities, they want more police. Yes, you know I mean kids kids are getting stray bullets from drive by shootings all the time in the US. I mean Heather McDonald's covered this stuff at length. You know the disparity between what these activists say is happening. And the rate at which it's happening and the numbers, well, sorry, of like people being unarmed, people, uh, black people being killed and whatever, and the reality. But also, you know, what happens when you take <laughs> police away and you don't let them do things like hotspot policing, which is basically, as Heather McDonald's talked about, it's, it's sending the police to where the crimes happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then obviously the criticism is, oh, that's that they're minority communities or whatever. And you say, look, forget that for a second. There was a drive-by. There was been three drive-bys this week. A four-year-old kid's got a bullet. We can't talk about optics right now. The people in that community need the police to just go there. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. A toddler got killed taking a bath, you know. A spray bullet came through the window or some shit, you know. It's crazy. I mean, fucking hell, it is crazy. Well, I mean, yeah, I, th I think you're right. I was surprised that this, this was such a sober piece of journalism from the activist uh, mm. New York Times. Did they push back a little bit? Did they did they give any sort of sense that funding or refunding the police was a bad idea? They'd given some time to some alternative points of view that because they, they, they made a point that these measures went through unopposed. Now they'd followed up with the people who did the opposing last time, some of these officials and uh, these activists, and they've said they've given up on the local system or whatever, and now they're, they're applying to. The Justice Department or something. I don't know. They, 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 it, but the overwhelming sense was that it was an open and shut case. 
crime has risen and then and um you know strong black leaders who have uh come from these areas or come from the streets in 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 the past in new york and whatever like the new uh soon to be new is it new mayor of new york i think uh, mm, eric yeah. adams now they have come out on the front foot and said you know what like hotspot policing and all that shit is exactly what we're going to do. I've come from, you know, the 90s, grew up in a very violent time. We don't want that. Uh, that's what's happening right now. We need to stop that. So it's taken those 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 leaders to really take back this movement, take it away from Patrice Cullors, mm. uh, the leader of, uh, former leader of, of, of uh, Black Lives Matter, who, um, you know, while... As, as this is this is from the article as well, NME article, as protests broke out across the country in the name of Black Lives Matter, the group's co-founder went on a real estate buying binge, snagging four high-end homes for $3.2 million in the US alone. So, you know, Patrice Cullors is a uh, snake oil salesman. Mm. You know, this is this was race just hustler. a... Race hustler. Well, yeah, race hustler. This was she and has sold people, you know... Um, a complete lie and they bought into it. And so, you know, thankfully it's starting to, to change, but defund the police was a well-intentioned, poorly named and marketed proposal. Okay. As you say, who in their right mind would, would think that, that if it was implemented in the way that the slogan says it should be, that it's not going to embolden criminals and encourage crime. Now, there are people who will say, "Oh, but it doesn't mean to defund the police." And you say, and, and you go, "Look, then change the name. Call it the thing you mean. Then call it re, you know, um, redistributing funds from the police <laughs> into the ABC. It might be unsexy, but it's better than what it sounds like because there are where a lot of people I think who did want it to happen the way it said." Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 100%. Because a lot of people in Antifa were saying they wanted to get rid of police altogether and they wanted to replace them with, like, citizen uh, citizen sort of guards that would, would somehow police things. You know, it just sounded like madness to me. So, well, I'll finish by saying that, you know, if the New York Times, who had the probably the, the time of their life in 2020, you know, feeding off and creating the drama that we're all living through now. Um, if the New York Times has, has changed its course or lost, or lost interest in, you know, what James Carville calls faculty lounge politics or, or, or fringe social and cultural ideas that most people in the world don't care about, then I want them to say so. I want them to say so loudly and proudly if they've changed direction on that. Um, I'd also like to offer a service, maybe, for anyone, uh, everyone who said mad shit last year, maybe John Legend, whoever, maybe there's people in your office or whatever who took 2020 as a time to really explore the exotic parts of themselves and, uh, you know, came out and said, defund the police or, or like in, in the London, they said, you know, don't shoot us or whatever and the cops don't have guns or, we, you know, we're, we're, we're who talked about wanting to yeah abolish <laughs> whatever gender <laughs> whatever they wanted to do uh in 2020 and talked about you know trump being literally hitler and whatever you know i would just say isn't this what you wanted isn't isn't this what you wanted do you know what i mean like you you, you, you we got we took the funding away in this instance um 
crime went up to astronomical levels. Murders went crazy in America. Uh, the crime, looting. People, there's so many videos online of people just like walking to shops and stealing shit and just mm. like pushing, either just walking past the, the security guards staring at them. And, and it's, to, it's absolutely shocking. Mm. And um, we just need to remind everyone of, of what they said last year. Now, I'm offering, I, I want people to change. Like, you know, I offer them, the, if people want to change, that's great. But, you know, just remind everyone who went nuts that, you know, just like every blowout, you need to live with the, the morning after. And that's what we're in now. Mm. So what are we going to do? Are we going to give them their money back and, you know, get back to, you know, the great society that um, societies that, that we've actually spent a long time working, you know, to create? Or are we just going to continue this, this revolution? Um, and destroy everything. But I have a, I end on a positive note. Morgan Freeman says police work is, aside from all the negativity around it, a necessary. it's necessary for us to have them and most of them are guys just doing their job. Uh, they're going about their day-to-day jobs. There's some police that never pulled their guns except in uh, uh, guns, um, you know, except in rage, that sort of thing. And uh, I don't know. So uh, what I like about that is, is you know, Morgan is offering us, you know, and you can picture it in his voice too, <laughs> yeah. the God voice, you know. Yeah. He's saying something that I think most people agree with. And, you know, we need to keep amplifying that and to stop listening to the lunatics at mm. the New York Times. Yeah. Well, speaking of lunatics at the New York Times, uh, the New York Times recently published a retraction to a story about the amount of children in the US who'd been hospitalized with the coronavirus. Reporter, trying to get her name right here, uh, Apoorva uh, Mandavelli told readers that uh, 900,000 children have been hospitalized with COVID-19 since the pandemic began. Uh, It is a lot, isn't it? Um, a correction which Isn't was that almost issued... a million <laughs> that, that is almost a million just doing quick maths you know yeah yeah <laughs> a correction uh, which was issued a day later noted that the actual number was 63,000 which is a pretty big exaggeration it's a difference of about 837,000 cases look, look I'm in the humanities but I'm get I'm getting the sense generally speaking just sort of like holistically that those are two very different numbers <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> just <laughs> just get clear that up. Yeah. Okay. All right. uh, so Mandavelli's piece uh, was on the debate surrounding whether and how uh, how to, to to vaccinate children. So uh, imagine if I said to you, just to hold there for a second. Imagine if I said to you, Ricky, you've won you've you've won a prize. I go, oh my god, great! You've won nine hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> and go, oh, and then then I go, no, wait, fu- wait, I fucked up. Sorry, you only won sixty thousand. <laughs> you go, oh. well, sixty thousand is still pretty good. Look, but- you wouldn't kick it out of bed, but no. would you? It, what? So you just you 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 wouldn't pull me up on that. You wouldn't say, oh, that that's quite a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Where did that other eight hundred odd thousand go? I just misspoke. I misspoke. Okay, <laughs> don't hang me. Moving uh, on. So this this reporter, Amanda Velli, uh, she's had a history of ide- ideologically coloured pandemic coverage. Um, in May this year, she tweeted that, and this is a quote: "Someday we will stop talking about the lab leak theory and maybe even admit its racist roots." But alas, that day is not today. She later declared. Uh, 
oh, sorry, she later deleted that tweet, but not before tweeting this uh, follow-up. A theory can have racist roots and still gather reasonable supporters along the way. Doesn't make the roots any less racist or the theory any more convincing, though. I don't understand a word she just said. <laughs> what does that even mean? I'm just like, I listen to that word salad and I'm just like, wait, is this a way of you saying you fucked up but I'm a racist? No, no, no. This was this was doubling down effectively on her first statement, but then she right. deleted both of those. So she's basically saying a theory can have racist roots, but still seem like a reasonable theory. Okay. Um, that so I love how people say this stuff on Twitter, like you know they're getting ready for their for it to be on their headstone or something. Mm. This epithet, you know, yeah. like. Like that, they say things like, "Ah, oh, yes, this is the one. This is the one. This is the one." Like you know, that that remember me for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hell. I know. Well, this particular reporter took over when uh, Donald McNeil, a forty-five-year veteran of the paper, was forced to resign after quoting the N-word. Now, I think you know a little bit more about McNeil than I do, John. Well. I I do know he was a long-time science writer. 45 years. Yes, veteran. And uh, he quoted the word not, he did not use it um, pejoratively or, or like disparagingly or in rage or anything. It was it was a quote um, that he used in, in, in a context uh, and um, uh, someone took a, uh, an objection to that and he mm-hmm. was totally... Hung, uh, hung out to dry, yeah. You know, to- immediately gotten rid of. Like, do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Just go bye bye. And now that they have that vacuum, uh, stepping into the breach is uh, this clown. Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's obvious that the New York Times is pushing a fear campaign to help bring in compulsory vaccinations for kids. Uh, and it's ramping up these statistics to do it, you know. Now, to our Australian listeners, like 63,000 hospitalizations sounds like a lot, but don't forget that the total population of the US is 330 million people. And I think a lot of Australians forget this. Like you always hear COVID bedwetters in this country say, oh, we don't want to become like America. Look how many people have died there. But, you know, I mean, for the benefit of our overseas listeners, Australia's population is 25 million. So... US, 330 million, Australia, 25 million. So you've really got to compare these numbers with total population to really see how much of a problem it is. You know? But these outlets never let context get in the way of a good story. Mm, that's right. You know? And that's the problem with big numbers. Like 63,000, you go like, I mean, because you can only really picture maybe, you know, people, you probably only know 50 people, you know. If I so, showed you... You know, sixty three thousand pictures of dicks, <laughs> okay. and nine hundred thousand pictures of dicks. Yep. Do you think you'd be able to remember the sixty three thousand dicks more? <laughs> There's no other option, by the way. I'm not. I'm only showing you dicks. There's no. You can't ask for another thing. <laughs> I can't ask for another carrots uh, or something. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. I'm only showing you this so far, and that, that it's a lot. Is what I'm saying. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> that is a lot of sausage. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this oh, this God. is an outrageous story. Um, and you know, Andrew Sullivan's talked about the New York Times. Well, a possible theory is that you know, with people like not just Donald McNeil, but you know, other other stalwarts and veterans, you know, being gotten rid of for 
uh, to save cash. And then who do you get in? You get in, you know, young, excited, passionate people. The downside is, well, that they write, um, in this case, an article where the retractions uh, are bigger than the article itself. But then also, um, they their writing style and the, the, the things they write about and the way they write about them, it ends up being like a uh, university newspaper. Yeah, You know what I mean? Which is, you know, very passion-filled, um, outrageous, um, you know, uh, probably immature, lacks maturity, lacks um, professionalism. Mm. And, you know, that, that, that comes up in the... the um, our, I've got a story that I want to talk to you later, and this is just exactly on that point of, um, you know, they, they they just seem to lose nuance as well, yeah. and and I know they've made a decision in the in the last few years or whatever to you know to lean into words like not that they do it as much with Biden now, but uh, the word lie and this this the language that they use mm. is well, it's exotic in places. It is like. Um, you're doing a, uh, a postmodernism course, uh, you know what I mean? And um, but the way they just they happily lean into you know a strong language, uh, subjective language constantly is is a shock for anyone who's used to objective journalism or at least something striving for that, which was mm. something we had for a very long time. And now they've gone on, oh, no, and now we're just allowed just to you know yeah to, to talk like we're on Twitter. But to misquote numbers like that by so much. It's hard to see that 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 could be a mistake, you know. Well, I mean, it's the New York Times. You'd have you'd have some sort of fact checking levels there when you're talking about statistics, you know. I just tend to to not, you know, entertain too many conspiracy theories. I feel like, you know, the simplest answer is, um, you know, maybe they they that they believed what they wanted to believe. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That that, that this idiot reporter wrote did the wrong thing, didn't do their job, which was all they had to do, by the way, is to check these these numbers and to write a story. You know, this is not their side hustle. You know what I mean? They're writing for the fucking New York Times. So they, that's failure of delivery, 100% failure of delivery. Uh, and um, then their fact checkers or whoever the fuck should, the editorial, the editor's desk should have gone across this and, you know, uh, as I'm sure they used to. And instead they rushed it out and, and then they all looked at it and said, yes, this story accords with my narrative that I want. I like this narrative. Rather than them saying, oh, let's try and drum this narrative up. I think it was the other way. They looked at it and they went, yeah, this sounds about right. Mm. And I can't wait for those mandates or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't, the way they retract now is pretty ridiculous as well. Like it's not what you want, you know. It's never yeah. a page one deal. It's always like. You know, just some buried at the bottom, couple of asterisks, and it'll just say, "Oh, the original version of this story was, you know, featured this." And you just go, "Hmm, better than just changing it and not telling us." But at the same time, they should maybe own. Um, the only thing they have to do is, uh, you know, their due diligence and to you know really go over these issues. And it's just a shame. Well, what's what's worse, quoting the N word or you know fucking up statistics this bad? Well, you know, I I just think that this person didn't do their job, and you know that guy McNeil, his his he was probably bringing more to the business than not. Maybe they could have stood by him and said, but again, it was twenty twenty, so they just probably they just thought, you know, we need to just do whatever the mob tells us to do. 
I think we need to get out of the doldrums. So we maybe do. We need, maybe we need the news. Let's do it. Sheila, twice in one week. What a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks very much. Um, I'm glad we're not reviewing any of the Friday the 13th. Next week. Next week. Oh, <laughs> we're back. Three and four. Anyway, that's for next week. We need the news. What's been going on? Oh, look, so much. So much. I've had to cut so much. There, I've, I might have to carry some over to next week. This week <laughs> has been. Oh, no, I sent, you, I sent you something important, which we talked about at the beginning of the show. And, uh, and you just sent me my bag saying, yeah, I got a full dance card. <laughs> I, said the, I said the dance card is full. That means, that means you, you, there's too much. You've got, you've, you've got like, you know, you're knocking, news is knocking down the door. I know, and and it's a shame because that one was a good one, but unfortunately, anyway, it's what's cool. up first? Okay, exclusive wokeness. Forget about it. <laughs> Old school New York mobsters lament that the mob has gone soft, blaming millennial gangsters for being wimpish, tweeting photos of their fugitive dads and sending threats with a text instead of their fists. Now, I'm going to read you the rest of this because it, it really, there's a, a great ending. Okay. Mobster Johnny Alight who is a former crew member for John Gotti, tells Daily Mail how he, how the up-and-coming gangsters are wimpish. A light's gripe is a familiar lament among old New York mobsters who are coming forward to blast their woke millennial counterparts. The mobsters say the millennials refuse violence, are glued to their phones and social media, and send threats via text. Anybody who sends any kind of text message is just clueless about what it means to be a Gangster, a light, 59, says. Colombo, consigliere, consigliere, Ralph DiMatteo, 66, was forced to turn himself in after his son tweeted a photo of him relaxing in a Florida pool. Anthony Russo, who who was jailed for driving a getaway car in the 1993 murder of fellow Colombo mobster Joseph Scopo, says the mob has gone soft. How stupid are you? You know your father's on the run and you're posting pictures on the internet. His father should break his legs, said Russo. <laughs> well, I agree millennials should probably have their legs broken, but who would have thought that uh, they'd be they'd be doing such a great public service here by by helping to bring down the mob? I I think there should be more accents in the news. <laughs> <laughs> and you you've perfectly articulated there that and italian people are so disappointed at this like because i've got friends who are you know um have italian ancestry and they're so disappointed that no one cares about you know the what they call is racism <laughs> towards them <laughs> like they'll go like you you just be able to go just do the whole bit hand gestures talk about dormios like you know all Mama of that me. i just i didn't do an italian accent i did a new york accent a new york gangster accent is that how bad my accent was no there was a little bit in there oh my goodness italian american <laughs> no it was italian american oh, sorry italian americans i thought we were still allowed to do no. that no are you they? are but they're allowed to do steve um Irwin, and i'm not getting offended Okay. All right. Uh, no. Anyway, back to the story. That, that's a good one. Um. Yeah, that is a problem. So, I think you just need, you just got to watch comms. You know, like if yeah. you're if you're a hitman in the mob, and regardless of your age, uh, typically it's 
it's it's good to just um yeah i don't know um sneak around a bit you know before you announce yourself you know it's like they've tried to you know are you are you in the mob or are you an influencer you know mm. why do you need to tell everyone where your dad is you know well i think they need to go over the 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 elderly uh mobsters need to obviously go through the rules again with the young people cuz yeah. something's gotten lost yep anyway moving on wild boar and rat snakes have not suffered any significant health effects from the radiation at the Fukushima nuclear accident, suggesting that people do not need to be as fearful of moving back, study says. Are these the same animals that uh, that are now are now evolving and glowing in the dark? Um, and- <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just thought it's uh, I just thought that was hilarious that um, you know the you know it, it was the scene of a, a nuclear um explosion so I, I think i'd trust those geiger counter things a little bit more than than what is it a, a, a rat snake a wild born a rat snake yeah what what okay. the fuck is a rat snake I is don't it a snake know. that eats rats or is it a i think it's uh, yeah i don't know yeah it's probably a snake that looks like a rat i don't know <laughs> It um, can't be that. It can't be a snake. Did, did the radiation? Did the radiation somehow combine a rat with a snake? Maybe I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious. Anyway, headline. look, I, I don't know much about the Fukushima incident, but I, yeah, I don't know. I'd be keeping an eye on those animals just to, you know, just to make sure that because I mean, a lot of movies start this way. Actually, a lot of Japanese movies start this way usually with, you know, Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, I'd be holding off on putting my down payment on my new Fukushima flat. Oh, I bet, you the, like, I, I bet you property prices are cheap there. Well, they probably are. Aren't you in the market for a, for a new <laughs> new house, Sheila? I am, but I'm uh, looking in more tropical climes. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> now, I think you guys are going to like this. Um this is actually from news.com.au, so I've diverted for just a little bit. Aussie woman cops flack over $30 Smoke Mart gift card for her 15-year-old stepson. <laughs> <laughs> so Smoke Mart is like, it's like a, a, a tobacco shop, yeah. Tobacconist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. Yeah. And well, now they've left out some details. We need to know where this is. It just said happy 15th birthday, Callum. Treat hashtag tre- treat yourself. Where does Callum live? <laughs> Come on. I don't know. I had to shut the the, the article down because it started blasting um music at me. So uh, I don't, I'm not profiling. I just know that, you know, in Sydney Callum doesn't live in the harbor and um you know, Melbourne, he doesn't live in Turak. So is what I'm saying. So all right. Well, what you just said was really fucking snobby. Um, I think. Oh, well, it, I don't live in those it places. Doesn't, I'm just saying, doesn't, Callum doesn't live there. Either. <laughs> 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 also, um, Callum doesn't live near me either. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's um, yeah, I don't know. And this lady's a, the stepmom is a bit. She doesn't understand what the big deal is. Are there you pictures? Know? She said you can get. Um, oh my god, you're so interested in this story. I didn't really think that you. <laughs> I don't care up, about uh, the Fukushima incident. I really want to know about Callum's um, 
Gron- stepmom. Gronkish mum who bought. Yeah, it sounds like you want to hook up with who, her. Who she said, <laughs> no, because there's a she famous. Smokes, she pokes. Yeah, that's right. Is that what if, you're... if she smokes, she pokes. That's right. That, that that's the famous saying. And you know, <laughs> as soon as I heard smoke mud, I was like, oh, this is this is she's sexually available. She's hot. Yeah. All right. Well, it ha- yeah. Okay. Hang on. I'm trying to work out where she's from. I don't know. I, All right. No, that's okay. We shouldn't profile Callum's stepmom. This is. I don't my- think that there's any smoke marts in any <laughs> nice area. If, if Callum's if Callum's stepmom is listening, we will accept nudes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. if it helps you, um, she put this up on a Facebook group called Kmart Hacks and Decor. Oh, yeah. Does that help you to profile poor Callum's stepmom anymore? Yeah, I got her. I got her pegged. Um, And uh, they've made a point of saying, look, you know, they sell some Halloween costumes there um, Mm. uh, and some sports apparel and merchandise and homewares, but they also are known known for their extensive range of cigarettes, vapes and lighters. Yeah, mm. thirty bucks is not getting much, by the way. No, that's is that even a, a pack of smokes these days? No, as a, as an ex smoker, I'll tell you, you know, uh, that's not going to get you much. And yeah, no, we'll leave it there. All right, what's next? Oh, this is just to get you a bit. You, I don't want to spend too much time on this one. This is just to get you riled. Now Superman comes out as bisexual. DC Comics reveals superhero son of Clark Kent and Lois Lane will start a romance with male best friend two months after Robin came out as bi. But wait a minute. Isn't this? Isn't it Jonathan Kent, his son, that's gay? Yeah, but I think. Bi, sorry, bi. Yeah, but it just says now Superman comes out as bisexual. I mean, I, I don't really think the Daily Mail cares about facts. Then they're not into the, the Superman law. No, they're not into canon. Right. I no, but I, what I don't get so much, I don't get. So, um, firstly, isn't isn't bisexuality the belief in sexual dimorphism? Like, like you know, I know if you say I'm bisexual, aren't you saying that there's like a gender binary mm, and that yeah. you like them both? So really, aren't the bees in the LGBT, aren't they bigots in a way? Like, because they're not, you know, they're not like immediately into Lady Dicks or the other one, whatever the inverse Lady Dick. I don't know what that's called. Um, a, a man pussy? <laughs> I, did, I wasn't ready. You're a fucking man pussy. Okay, you're both fucking man pussy. I wasn't ready for how raw it would sound. So anyway, <laughs> I, I don't. But so that's what I don't get. So when people, when these woke corporations like proudly say, um, I think they use bi as a bit of a, you know, they go, hey, look at us, you know, we're, we're bi, we're hip, and then you, and but they don't realize that. You know, I think within that community, there is every everyone in and out of that community is a suspect of the bias. Like people outside the community are like, "Oh, come on, you're just in college or you're in uni and you're just experimenting. You're it's all a bit. I don't know any seventy year old bi people." Um, and then uh, the people in the community are like, "You know, well, aren't you guys bigoted because you believe in one or the other?" And there's what about all the stuff I got going on? Mm. Mm. So there's yeah. that. And then secondly, um, when I was, you know, massively into Superman. I I'm, thought you were going to say when you were massively, massively into dudes. When I was massively bi, yeah. I, <laughs> when I was into Superman, I didn't care how, how whose uh, dick he was sucking. Uh. <laughs> well, that's the thing. 
Because there's nothing more teenage, mostly male, comic book fans love more than watching superheroes munching on dicks. Mm. I think it's mainly just kissing they're doing. But Imagine the clench that the Man of Steel's butthole has. He'll be able to milk the shit out of a juicy D. You, you have suddenly become Kevin Buddy Wilson and <laughs> I, I want... I want to buy your bootleg tapes. <laughs> <laughs> this has become the twelfth man today. Yes, this is raw. No, no, but seriously, that that it's look, they can do whatever they like. The thing is, they're just trying. The sales have dropped. They're trying, like manga and anime are burying um, comic books, and they're doing anything they can. They're like, oh well, I don't know. Just quick, just two characters. Just make them kiss. Doesn't matter which ones, and they're just doing whatever. And none of it's working. And this won't work either because, you know, people don't, we want good characters, we want good stories. We don't want, um, we don't care if they're bi. It doesn't matter. Is that because manga has things like um, octo sex and stuff like that? Is that why they're burying? Well, it's just not work. It's got that. Like some of it's got that. Um, uh, But they're just, you know, they're just, it's great storytelling, great characters. And they're focused. They don't, they're not, uh, they don't start, as we've said before, they don't start with the conversation of, okay, you know how everyone who buys our comic books are fucking dummies or, yeah. or bigoted yeah. colonialist dickheads and we hate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, go on. And then they <laughs> say, well, anyway, I really think that what they need to learn about is like trans issues or something. And then that, then they go, okay, well, we've got to come up with a story. Who can we use? And then they just get someone, they just go, Green Lantern, he's a trans now, whatever. You know, so that's how they start. Whereas in Japan, they sit down and they go, okay, anyway, I got this story about like, you know, a kid who wants to become king of the pirates and then, you know, this big adventure. It's, it's, yeah, they've, they've lost the plot. It's missionary. Mm. All right. Well, I actually had this slated for discussion later in our show. Oh, good. Today, guys. So I've, I've actually done a little bit of research. I've got, I've got a quote, a quote here. So this is from uh, writer Tom Taylor in an interview uh, on IGN, he said, I knew replacing Clark with another straight white savior could be a real opportunity missed, but I've always said everyone needs heroes and everyone deserves to see themselves in their heroes. Today, Superman, the strongest superhero on the planet, is coming out. Um, So it also takes uh, this particular series, uh, looks to offer a more modern take on the character, John Kent's version of the hero will not only face off against the usual run of supervillains, but also contemporary issues like climate change and school shootings. Um, and he's entering into a relationship with Jay Nakumara, uh, a, a hacktivist and journalist who idolizes John's mother, Lois Lane, but is also a refugee. So if that doesn't get you um, interested. I... I know we've run off on a tangent here, but this was, you know, we're going a bit deeper on this one. But I can I take an issue with one the quote you said because this he said something particularly annoying, which we've talked about before. He said, "Now is it something like everybody deserves to see themselves yeah. in their heroes?" Is that what he mm-hmm. said? That's right. Yeah. Is that the quote? But I've always said everyone needs heroes, and everyone deserves to see themselves in their heroes. Okay. I I think this person is one hundred percent wrong about that. One hundred percent wrong about that. Now that doesn't mean I I actually think that you know diversity is happening, uh, has happened, and will always happen. And we are progressive, and things are, things are going uh, smashingly. Um, you know, not as quick as everyone would like, but that's just that's how it goes. 
That quote is completely the opposite. I think everybody with a good story and a good character uh, done correctly, I think everybody deserves to see a hero, the hero within themselves, the complete opposite thing. So when I watch, you know, uh, when I used to watch Dirty Dancing all the time, I saw baby (laughs) in me. You know what I mean? Like her qualities, her good qualities were in. I, I, I deserved <laughs> to see the hero in me. Nobody puts John in the corner. Well, nobody puts me in the corner. And but that's the thing. John I, carried a watermelon. But this is what um. <laughs> I carried a watermelon. No, but this is exactly what these people get wrong. They start with this position of, oh, what kind of PSA are we going to do? Everybody deserves to see themselves on screen. So anyway, yeah, let's have you know we've got to have all the quotas. We've got to have this many people in wheelchairs. We've got to have this many gay people. But for starters, it's gross having those discussions. Uh, secondly. It's not, it, you know, it's probably not uh, going to work out the way you want it to. And, but most of all, it's completely the opposite. Like, I used to watch, um, you know, and I've said this before, I used to watch Malcolm X when I was a kid. Um, and I saw Malcolm in me. <laughs> what kind of childhood did you have? I was watching Star Wars. Yeah, well, I was watching that shit too, man. But, like, you know, I, got, I covered a lot of ground. He also had a very elderly grandmother who he would take to the video store and get him, uh, get her to get him uh, very, uh, w- whatever videos he wanted to get out. Yeah, isn't, isn't that right? Like that. Yeah, she was good. She used to, um, <laughs> you, you, just know, put, just... you just put your thumb over the R rating in the corner. And you yeah, she didn't care. So, but but it was I just seven year old getting out Robocop. I'm I'm hot about this because yeah, this is just comes up all the time, and I and I'm getting closer now. It only just occurred to me that that these people have it completely the opposite. Like you know, all of the great stories. Um, in fact, you know, because that's the thing, America maybe is too America centric. Uh, because you should be watching uh, cinema or films or TV from all around the world, all around the world. Mm. So. If you're doing that, if you're watching something from Iran, if you're watching something from Spain and Italy and and you know Africa and wherever, well then you're going to see. Well, what am I going to watch an African movie and then go, oh fuck this movie? I'm not in this movie. Where's my representation? Mm. You know, and like you know, and rail against it. Like it's it's so egocentric as well. You just say no, no, no. If you're doing your job right, then the the people will see themselves. You know, see the hero in themselves. Anyway, stop me. Someone stop me. Anyway, on, on, <laughs> on to my next headline. Um, bizarre crackhead war breaks out in Canberra apartment block with a stick-waving Suzuki Swift driver taking on a foul-mouthed man on a trike. Now, what I like here is the uh, headline, Bizarre Crackhead War. <laughs> Are they crackheads? Uh, I don't know. I just like the headline. So Canberra is a, is you know there's not much to do. Yeah, there, so. there are a lot of crackheads in Canberra. Um, I like I like calling it a crackhead war. I like there's a I like saying that he's in a Suzuki Swift, kind of emasculating <laughs> what, him. Should ask Yuri. Yuri's into cars. Should mm. ask him about the Suzuki Swift and what kind of person drives them. And yeah. Well, I don't look. I'm I'm not a car. I'm not carist. I, I think okay? it's either it's either cheap bogan or it's like a 17 year old lady chick's first car. You know, yeah, right. it's a lady yeah. car. I think. Right. And the other one's on a trike. So, um, <laughs> humiliating. You know, 
Yeah. <laughs> device. It's, I think it's just a, a huge, you know, it's just a piss take headline. All right, next one. Bunnings worker, 22, quit her uni degree despite a $20,000 hex debt to keep working at the hardware store Bunnings because she realised she already had her dream job. Wow. Fucking hell. This is a sponsored story by Bunnings. Yeah, that's right. They're having staffing problems in Bunnings because of the vaccine mandate that's coming in. So a lot right. of Bunnings workers don't want to get the vax, so they're quitting. Maybe this is a little sneaky PSA for uh, people, for, for the Bunnings Corporation to get more uh, college grads to drop out or college students to drop out and uh, join the team. Could be. Next headline discussed as the Taliban is given a platform to brainwash young Aussie Muslims at a Sydney talk and the Afghan community who fled their murderous rule is furious. So um, the, the, the Australian Federation of Is- Islamic Councils has organised a lineup of keynote guests to speak at an online event and, and, the, and the future of Afghanistan and and the rest, uh, and um, they've got two speakers from the Taliban mm. uh, speaking. I don't know. I don't know if we should be giving, you know, like technically other people uh, in this country can't say jack shit about anything and we're giving a platform to the Taliban. Mm. I'm not sure. I, I think they should broadcast these guys on every station when they do their talk so we can all see all see what they're what they're on about you know that's a good move though that's 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 right we do need like it's not like yeah we just need to hear everything they have to say and let's see how long they can go without looking around the audience and saying uh, i look around and i you know i see a lot of smiling faces i also see a lot of infidel whores <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> need to smarten up <laughs> and you go ah there it is there it is <laughs> yeah i think we should be doing the opposite of of deplatforming or cancelling them i think we should give them a bigger platform i know i love that you've forgotten the word platform <laughs> because we deflat platform people so heavily and we never give people a platform yeah it's not a word you say what's the word when you you know you deplatform someone what's the word you <laughs> yes. give them when you let them speak yeah Maybe. yeah <laughs> this next one Okay, it just says, this is what happens in communist countries. Trump tears into de Blasio for trying to confiscate his Bronx golf course to replace it with a homeless shelter. (laughs) 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 So de Blasio is trying to confiscate their golf course as a homeless shelter. So that's interesting. Yeah. The Donald. Mm, the Donald. I don't know how I feel about that. Obviously, homeless people need places to go, but rich people need places to golf too, right? <laughs> I kind of love it because they fix their healthcare system. Yeah, but yeah, true. and Instead. the things that he railed against are kind of biting him in the ass now because there's so many people who have become homeless, and like you said, with no. Healthcare that he once again railed against. Um, so that's very. I, I went very to the US in 2006, so that's a, a long time ago, and I was shocked by how many homeless people I saw, particularly in Chicago. I was yeah. like, it was an eye opener for me, you know. I was in Denver, I think, 
two and a half years ago or three years ago mm-hmm. and I was my yeah it was it was heartbreaking I was yeah. and and it was during the big freeze where they had the the big you know, super snowstorms and yeah, stuff, and, yeah. and you would see people still outside huddled. Mm, you know, it was Jesus. horrific. Yeah. So yes, um, I think that'll be interest an interesting one to watch. And lastly, are you in a parasocial relationship? Pandemic sparks increase in weird one-sided relationships where people believe they're friends or in love. With their favorite influencer. I'm trying to get a lot of people in that sort of relationship with us. I know. How, how do we get some of these people to fall in love with us? <laughs> Keep saying something. Be stuff better guys. Oh. Oh. One of us needs to transition. <laughs> you first. Oh <laughs> Paper, scissors, rock. Come on. No, no, no. You, you, I think I'll watch you do it and then I'll do it second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sheila, that was that was good. That was good. What, what did I like best? I think I probably like Smoke Mart. Mm, that was good. <laughs> I think you liked Smoke Mart the most, yes. Yes, that was good. You knew what I was going to say about the Superman stuff, so you just you just baited me there. But yeah. um, the Smoke Mart thing was surprising. I was, yeah, I... I still care about it. I want to know everything. But um, <laughs> unfortunately, that's it. <laughs> you, you want to know? You want, well, the thing is that, that came out of that is that you, I kind of felt that you want to see pictures of the stepmom. Yeah, yeah I do. She I sounds hot. See. For she some does. reason, she sounds hot. Yeah, she looks fun. Yeah, sounds fun. Mm. Leather pants, sort of a bit. <laughs> You know, that's just that sort of a bit of a roadie sort of a look, you know. All right, guys. Thank you very much. See you next week, Sheila. Cheerio. Bye. If you enjoy what we do here on the New Flesh podcast, there are a number of ways you can contribute to the success of the show. Consider supporting us financially by becoming a Patreon member and donating monthly or yearly. Alternatively, you can donate money through the Buy Me A Coffee platform. If you're strapped for cash at this point in time, there are a number of other ways to support the New Flesh. You can give us a rating or review through Apple Podcasts. These help others to find our show and help spread the word. Or you can tell your friends about us. Don't underestimate the power of a podcast recommendation. And now, back to the show. Uh, well, Ricky, I, I'm going to finish up our, our New York Times spectacular, spectacular. <laughs> You're going to love this story, by the way. You're just going to love it. Now, the reason I'm talking about the Los, Las Vegas Raiders, I get, you know, a bit of personal information. I've chosen my NFL team, and it's going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. I decided when I went to Las Vegas, I really loved Vegas. I had a great time there, my wife. And when I saw they had the wicked, wickedest stadium, we drove past it. I was like, that looks wicked. Yeah. You know, and, and I loved the town. So I was like, you know, it's taken me a while, but now I'm like, I'm, I'm all about the Raiders. If they move, I don't know what I'm going to do. But for the moment, <laughs> it's Las Vegas. Well, this Raiders. is their third home, isn't it? They used to be the LA Raiders. Then they, they, they were the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Now they're... Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, well, I'm with them until they move. So anyway, Raiders coach resigns after homophobic and misogynistic emails uh, in emails detailed by the New York Times. Why they pump themselves up all the time? Mm. You know, like pat themselves on the back. I'm reading you, you fuckheads. (laughs) You know, look what we did. Look what we did. Look what we did. It's like, yeah, it's what you meant to do. Okay. 
Uh, Raiders coach John Gruden casually used misogynistic and homophobic language to disparage people. <laughs> well, you can't very much, you can't very well use misogynistic and homophobic language to exalt people. Mm. You know, so that's a bit of a redundancy, don't you think? Like, yeah. you, can you just say use the language and it speaks for itself? Why are they going to say to, to disparage people? Anyway, uh, John Gruden stepped down. This guy stepped down as the head coach of the Raiders because emails were discovered, get this, as part of a workplace misconduct investigation. And I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, yes, he wrote naughty things and this is to stun him in. Um, the investigation wasn't involving him. He was uh, tangentially related. So these emails came out as part of some other shit that was going down with someone else. Right. And they were just like stumbled across these emails. Uh, they were sent via email. He sent them via his, his mostly via his private email. Uh, and one of the the main guy he's he's contacted this guy Bruce Allen I think his name is is uh, another big wig he would go back and forth from his team account so you know so imagine that so Gruden the coach is sending privately to and other a range of accounts really from a lot of a group of men high up in in you know business and nfl and related industries uh but this main guy was to his team one so here's some hits for you uh gruden's departure came after a new york times report that nfl officials as part of a separate blah 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 uh he denounced the emergence of women as referees the drafting of a gay player and the tolerance of players protesting during the playing of the national anthem. Uh, Gruden's messages were sent to Bruce Allen, the former president of the Washington football team, and others. Uh, in the emails, Gruden called the league's commissioner, Roger Goodall, a, quote, faggot, close quote, and a, quote, clueless anti-football pussy, close quote, and said... <laughs> <laughs> and, said that, and said that Goodall should not have pressured Jeff Fisher, then the coach of the Rams, to draft, quote, queers, close quote, a reference to Michael Sam, a gay player chosen by the team in 2014. Uh, but Gruden's behaviour was not limited to 2011. Gruden exchanged emails with Allen and other men that included photos of women wearing only bikini bottoms including one photo of two Washington team cheerleaders. And this is me. Well, I never. <laughs> <laughs> they, probably, they probably have OnlyFans accounts, for Christ's sake. Yeah, probably. Gruden also criticised President Obama during his re-election campaign in 2012, as well as then Vice President Joseph R. Biden. Why do they say this motherfucker's full name? Uh, all the time. Who, who Gruden called a, uh, quote, no... Who <laughs> Gruden called, quote, a nervous, clueless pussy, close quote. <laughs> <laughs> he used similar words to describe Goodall and Demora Smith, the executive director of NFL Play Association. And now this is them. Taken together, the emails provide an unvarnished look at the, into the clubby nature of one, of, of one NFL circle of peers, where white male decision makers felt comfortable sharing pornographic images, deriding the league policies, and jocularly sharing homophobic language. Now, uh, we'll get into the, the, I mean, the pornographic images, I'm, I'm just confused there. Are they talking about the topless photos? Like, the... The kind of this kind of vagueness befits a tabloid. Do you know what I mean? Mm, like yeah. you need to be clear because I don't think a lot of people would think that topless is pornography. No. Uh, yeah. So anyway, in the exchange, uh, yeah. Just to finish up, 
Allen also criticized a congressional bill that aimed to force Washington franchise to change its name. That was, I think, maybe the Redskins. And he's also uh, criticized the um, the taking of the knee and, and, and thought that the players who started that should have been sort of like, you know, forced to toe the line. Mm. So what do you think of this amazing story? Well, some of the some of the language is pretty hilarious, and you know it is pretty bawdy, and and you know some of the language is is unacceptable for 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 public consumption. But that's the thing; like these are these are private emails between locker room talk. It this is, is locker room. room talk, but you know, I mean, everyone knows there are certain things that people say in private, and and certain language and bravado that that people might use. That that they wouldn't use publicly, you know. Uh, I'm not defending his views on things, but you know the fact that they're trawling through his personal email that he's kind of having a back and forth with friends. I don't know. It seems oh, I'm just a bit conflicted by it, you know, just because it seems like there is no there is no private sphere anymore, you know. But well, well, that's true. Uh, They've they've really gone back here. So, 2011 was some of this stuff. Now that was a complete. Now people might have forgotten, but 10 years ago was a completely different world. Not not in some respects, but in terms of the archaeology, you know, that goes on now. This sort yeah. of um, uh, muckraking into people's pasts mm. and you know and uh, trying them for things that were either unfortunately, uh, unfortunately perfectly usual at the time. Do you did, know what I did mean? Did they have any any more recent emails that they were talking they about? They did. I think they had some from 2017 or so. Right. Um, but it just sort of, um, in the words of the castle, it's like they've gotten him on the vibe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, the, some stuff really speaks for itself. He, I didn't even include the, the worst stuff he said. He, he There was a union boss leader. Uh, now, I should do it in the way the New York Times would do it. Who is back? Yeah. You know, you got to scream it. The New York Times, they go, blah, blah, blah. Who is back? Who is back? Like, Do they, they put it in caps? No, they, they capitalize the B, okay? And that, now that is a house style or, or a, I think Associated Press do that. And yep. I've heard John McWhorter talk about why that's okay. It sort of refers to a cultural, uh, you know, difference and stuff like that. Right. But the way they do it is so awkward and gross and they scream it all the time, you know what I mean? And they, they like... Uh, and if you, if you think white is capitalized, you're wrong. That's lowercase. Oh, really? It is. They don't capitalize white? No, no, no. That's white. That's lowercase. And really? so, but then, and they, so they go, blah, blah, blah. Who is black? Anyway, th- this union boss, um, this guy made some, you know, sort of really off, really off color. Yeah. Pretty racist stuff about the guy, like his facial features and stuff right. like yeah. that. Like, like, and I was like, okay, that's, that's speaks for itself. And, um, you know, using his, and I'll say it again, quote, faggot unquote i'm remember that's a quote i'm not saying it uh he said that that's nowadays we know that that's too much uh and you know we need to sunset those that 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 word and um but this stuff you know clueless anti-football pussy which i think you could almost say now anyway yeah like the word pussy is a, a tricky one because, you know, it's a vague term. It is and it isn't what it is uh, what it is referring to. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like um, when I say pussy, if a guy's a pussy, 
it, I think you're more referring to him being, um, you know, uh, an ineffectual male than mm. you are him being literally a piece of, uh, 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 like, a, a, a female anatomy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, they're so literal. They're so literal. Mm, it's like, do you guys read? Do you understand anything well, about? Well, the word dick gets used a lot. Like, he's a dick. Stop being a dick. You know, yeah. someone who's an asshole. Uh, that that seems to be more acceptable than pussy. I'm sure the New York Times wouldn't have a problem with someone being called a dick, you know. No. Well, I think they are a bunch of dicks and sometimes <laughs> a bunch of pussies. So, do you know what I mean? I think that they are both. So, yeah. and, and I think that they're – so, what I think is interesting, now going to my – I mean – I'm going to a little, little little rant here. So, look, this guy Gruden is a clown. Okay, he's foolish for sending anything even borderline to someone's work email account. Do you, would you do that? No. Like, 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 imagine that you, you've got a mate who works at the Ed Department, and you just like you're sending him like titty pics and stuff to his Ed Department. <laughs> yeah. And you're just going maybe oh. maybe that he's showing his age there. You know, he's just not that tech savvy. He doesn't get it. Well, he doesn't get it. it like, so for, d- divorce yourself from the content and just acknowledge that this guy is a total clown, a fucking yeah. idiot, and his yeah. children need to school him better on how to use use technology. Yeah. Um, I don't. I just don't send. I, don't, I You know, uh, I'm not putting a lot of the mad shit. You know, I'm not saying a lot of stuff he's saying. Uh, you know, except on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but but I just wouldn't send it in an email, like, you know, yeah. out of context and it's a different thing. Anyway, now I don't pretend to know what, what's in people's hearts and minds. He's probably like a lot of people, right? Full of contradictions, got a family who loves him. He gives generously. He's not down with the gays because he's old, old school, yeah. old and an old school. Um, he likes to swing his dick in a job where that's important and he likes titties. So I think we have to just see people you know, for who they are and doesn't mean you have to, you know, let him keep his job. Doesn't mean you have to just, I think that, you know, the, the New York times is making a lot of claims about what's in his heart and mind. You yeah, know? And yeah. So it's the conflation in this article that is beyond the pale to me. It's in their yeah. hunt to find Nazis in our midst. They, they work harder than they need to, to paint this guy as an out of date idiot, which he is. Um, but including the criticism of people protesting at the national anthem as well, like conflating all of that and putting that in there too, I think that that's a valid uh, critique. You know, I think we should be talking about uh, whether it's appropriate that people protest during the national anthem. You know, that's and, right. and especially bringing bringing politics into sport as well, because that's not what the fans want. The fans want the sport to escape. The politics and the rubbish that's happening in their day-to-day lives you know they don't want that's the big criticism of the nba as well is that all of this political stuff is just just infesting the sport and people don't want that people just want the sport you know just just as a side note we, we did a whole episode on work sports mm, uh, work world of sports and we covered some of the nfl's you know uh, measures which they're going to undertake in the coming season, which are even more slogans on helmets and and on yeah, the, on the yeah. field. And now, people have identified that you know this is just sort of calling out their hypocrisy and whatever, I guess. But um, you know, this particular thing of 
of the kneeling is, um, as we see in Europe, it's a contested issue. Yeah. And there's a disconnect, if we be charitable, charitable, between what the players think they're doing and what the audience thinks they think they're doing. Do you know what I mean? There's a, everyone's on a different page. When you're on the outside, punters look at it and they, they hate it. They go, they, they go, look, you know, yeah, all the reasons we've said. I, I want apolitical, like, you know, we're already here together, one love, like, you know, we're, we're all one here you know, singing this one song for this mm. few minutes. And um, they take that kneeling as being, uh, you know, offensive to, you know, it could be uh, uh, things, it could be uh, military, it could be like they, they, they know service people or it could be just they're grateful for to live in that country and not in a lot of other, you know, me- more unfortunate uh, places that you could be born into. Or, or as Donald Trump would say, shithole countries. <laughs> well, but Donald, <laughs> he he had a way with words. Okay, now <laughs> he did. so anyway, um, what just on this language because I brought it up before. Why do we need to say? I'm honestly asking this question. Why do we need to say misogynistic and homophobic in this context? Like, isn't it just discriminatory language? Yeah. Like, doesn't it all just fit under the same banner? Like, why does it matter if it's gay guy or a female referee or yeah? Like, I- I'm 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 genuinely confused now. Someone could, you know, uh, just tell me easily. I'm sure, like, why I need to know the detail. Um, but discrimination, we have law. But I don't know how it works in America, but we have discrimination laws in Australia. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like on the books. So yeah. if someone's discriminatory, like you know, you can actually, you know. There's legal uh, measures you can take and say I've been discriminated against. Yeah. Um, there's no misogyny laws. There's no um, homophobia Yet. laws. Because um, because you also would have to define homo. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no the, the homophobia because remember that phobia thing is doesn't quite work grammatically either because homophobia like. These people aren't afraid of gay people. They just don't like them. So I don't know. That doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like anyway, so the uh, I just am confused at that. Now, misogyny is also this emotive and subjective word that's difficult to apply to action. So what the New York Times is saying here, they're confident enough to say that this man hates women because he uses the word pussy. Now, if because I can't see a lot of other other evidence in the article apart from the, the titties he sent around. Mm. Um, so if liking titties... And using the word pussy is enough to label you, oh, the, the referee thing. Okay, so he doesn't like the idea of female referees. So, but they need to be, see, now they need to be more specific. They need to say, okay, now when we say he's a misogynist or that he's using misogynistic language, like um, the that refers to him being discriminatory against referees, female referees, and not his use of the word pussy because we know you know a lot of people who just say that. Like the guy who fixed your car this morning probably called mm. everyone in the workshop that today and he didn't mean he's got a wife and he's not a misogynist. He's just, mm. you know what I mean? Like, so they're not being very clear about that. Um, so I, I just feel like uh, how about we say, you know, hey, dickhead, you know, Gruden or whatever your name is, like you've got no right to keep competent people out of a job. You know, if she can do the job, the referee, then then you can just fuck off. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's what it is. On the other hand, you have to meet, you have to treat, 
this is what the, the punter would say. They'd say, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Let's get the female referees or whatever, but just treat them the same. Don't yeah. treat her differently. Don't, don't like, don't have special rules. Don't like if she, just exactly the same. So it's got to go both ways. But this is the other thing homophobia, misogyny, and disagreeing with Obama uh, and, <laughs> and liking the titties of cheerleaders are now all the same. All, they're all the same. They're yeah. all the same. They're all one and the same. They're all the same. So, I mean, I disagree with Obama. Um, yeah. I disagree you, with Obama. You like titties? Well, I do, I do like titties. Um, but I disagree with Obama. And you know what? Titties with just bikini bottoms as well. Mm. That's like, I mean, you know, there's a song, you know, you're the top, you know, like that's what I think of. It's just like fantastic is, is what I'd say. But I disagree with Obama uh, drone striking Afghan weddings. Um, and I dare say that some people at the New York Times might also disagree with his record of um, uh, record high deportation of immigrants. Mm. Um, so what do I just find that this is such a awkward thing like what like mm. this is how they tip their hand they they couldn't help themselves like this article should have been about um you know fairly cold representation of what he'd said and everyone reading it would go yep you know what if you use the word faggot then that is that's not on um they're, they're the trying to stack the charges up of course they are trying but do. this happens in quite i've heard dershowitz talk about this. this is just like when you load up nonsense in there and you and it i think it it devalues the main charges. Like the racist stuff he said about that union boss was, was beyond the pale. The referee thing was discrimination. The stuff he said about the, the gay players was discrimination. That's how it should have been labeled. Forget this word misogyny. Like that, you don't know what's in his heart and mind. You're not, you're not magical. So forget it, you know? Um, and, and disagreeing with, with Obama. Yeah. Like in 2012, he was, not very popular. Remember, this was just before Donald Trump got in. Yeah, that's so right. So he barely won that election, twenty twelve. Mm. So let's get real. Like, like you know what I mean? He's not. It, it's um. This is such a fascinating story, mm. and perfectly articulates why the New York Times, you know, irk me so, Ricky. Mm, I know. Mm. I know. Well. Might have to take another break. We we have three New York Times uh, articles in today's episode. Might, well, have to take, might have to take a month off. I could easily do that. <laughs> easily. Ah, oh, well, another jam-packed show. Great stuff. Uh, I believe we've got Sideboob Cinema again happening next Wednesday. We've got our Spooktacular. It's uh, running for the whole month of October. And uh, Sheila, she filled in for our last side boob. We might might bring her back for a bit more a bit more punishment. Mainly to punish her, yeah. Yeah. She was not a fan of Friday the 13th, so we'll bring her back. Make her watch three and four. I think that might be fun. Absolutely. And hopefully AJ will join us uh, from her sojourn. Mm. Oh, a four-way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. Well, Ricky... Uh, we said what we said till next time long live the new flesh long live the new flesh if she smokes she pokes that's right mamma mia